Our scripture for today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 9. And so, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now, you are still not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving according to human inclinations? For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants working together. You are God's field, God's building. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. For several years in college, I shared a room with three other girls in our dorm. The room was known as the quad. The quad was a large open room with five large windows across one side. It was the only room in our dorm that housed four people. In the quad, we each had our own little corner and our own closet. To be very honest with you, I have never really been the most neat or organized person. Now, in some parts of my life, I am supremely, annoyingly organized and on top of things, down to the last obsessive detail. But I can tell you that laundry has never been one of those things, and cleaning up my workspace hasn't either. In college, as maybe is true for some of you, I let large piles of clothes build up in my corner of the quad, and I kept a very messy desk. One day, after more than a couple years living together, one of my roommates pulled me aside to have a conversation about my messy corner of the quad. In his letters back and forth with the Corinthians, Paul pulls the church aside for a conversation about the behaviors, beliefs, and attitudes they are using and employing that are not strengthening their community. In his zeal, Paul helped found a zealous church in Corinth. They were passionate and engaged but their zeal, passion, and engagement gave way not to spiritual maturity, as Paul points out in our passage today, but 
to arrogance, jealousy, and division into factions of people who needed to be right. They were so caught up in their areas of conflict in the church that they were not taking into consideration the needs of others. Now, we have selections of Paul's letters to the Corinthian church, but we don't have the church's letters to Paul. Reading Paul's letters, we can get an idea of what questions they sent to Paul, and we can imagine members of the Corinthian church writing to Paul and asking him to back them up on their religious and theological convictions. In other words, Paul, can you tell that group over there that I'm right and they are wrong? Anyone who has spent time with children is aware of this tactic. I argue with my brother or sister or cousin. I can't get what I want or find a solution. And so I go to an adult to request intervention. However, with children, there is often a good reason. And they are doing exactly what they should when they go to an adult to ask for help. Children need help developing the skills to work with other people, to play and interact with people who think and believe and behave differently than they do. This is what children have to do at school, on sports teams, and in many areas of their lives where they don't get to choose who they are around or who is in charge of them. Learning to be around people who are different is a key life skill, and adults have a responsibility to help children develop this skill. That's what Paul is trying to do with the Corinthians. That's why he tells them that he can't speak to them as mature Christians, because they are still acting like baby Christians. In their efforts to find their identity as a Christian community, they're putting up barriers and dividing walls. They're neglecting the simple task of making sure people in their community have the spiritual, physical, and emotional resources they need to thrive in Christ. So rather than asking Paul to help them develop the skills to be in community with people who are different, rather than asking Paul to help them learn how to worship and minister alongside people with different beliefs and thoughts and behaviors, rather than seeking to live as one in Christ, they're still asking Paul to tell them that they are right and the other people are wrong. What Paul is saying in today's passage is that he simply cannot do that. That is not the point. He calls them to something deeper and more sacred than their religious puffery and spiritual elitism. He calls them to something higher than rightness. 
responding to this high call into deep and sacred, beloved community in Christ is, it seems, more challenging than ever in 2021. We live in a time when we have to work hard at this, folks, because now more than ever, we can surround ourselves with sameness. On TV, radio, podcasts, we have the option to listen only to people who think and believe the way we do. We can curate our life's content as never before. When we get to go to church or school or work or practice, we have the option to talk only to people who are familiar and comfortable to us. The social media platforms we use are designed to connect us with people and content that are like us. If we find ourselves getting into habits of arrogance, jealousy, quarreling, fixating on needing to be right, it may be time to take a step back and ask for God's help. Paul tells us that these behaviors and habits and attitudes are indicators of spiritual immaturity, even if we think the opposite is true. Paul calls the Corinthians and us into a very different way of being in community, of cultivating life-giving relationships, of being one in Christ. Paul challenges the Corinthians by telling them that if they're differentiating themselves based on the person who led them to faith in Christ, Apollos, Peter, Paul, they are missing the mark. If they're ranking their leaders or themselves based on beliefs or spiritual gifts or religious practices, they are missing the mark. Today, we have so many ways to differentiate and rank ourselves. Democrat and Republican, conservative and progressive, Southern Baptist and cooperative Baptist, blue collar, white collar, baby boomer, millennial, suburban, rural, the list goes on and on. Now, Paul did not ignore these issues of importance in the Corinthian church. And neither should we ignore the important issues of our time. But along with the Corinthians, we must hear Paul when he says that the issues we face are not more important than seeking the presence and power of God to direct and guide us. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God gives the growth. Each of us are connected to all kinds of people in our lives, our family, our friends, our church, school, and work community. God is present and at work in our relationships. 
even the most painful and broken ones. At times, it can be very difficult to imagine a future in which God's dream for a flourishing field of beloved human community could ever come to fruition. But Paul reminds us that we here and now are God's field, God's building, and we have the the opportunity to partner with God in all of our relationships for the coming of God's kingdom. Today, maybe there's a friend, family member, or coworker on your mind, a relationship in need of repair or maintenance, a relationship in which you sense God at work in some way. Maybe God invites you to be in prayer seeking God's presence and power to direct and guide you specifically in that relationship. Maybe repentance is in order. I don't know about you, but I often find myself needing to pause and confess that I am judging, being arrogant, or somehow missing the mark in my relationships with others. I mentioned earlier my roommate who pulled me aside one day to have a conversation about my messy corner of the quad. This roommate was always organized and tidy. And in our conversation, she shared honestly her feelings with me about the way I was keeping my space. And after telling me how she felt, she asked if I would consider her feelings her needs and perspective, and maybe be slightly less messy in my corner of the room. This was a really important conversation for me because it helped me realize that even though it was my corner of the room, it was also a space shared by three other people. I realized that I wanted to do a better job taking into consideration the needs of others and what my part was in making our room a great place to live. In this sermon series and in today's passage, we're using horticultural images and language to talk about growing in life-giving relationships with Christ and others. Paul tells the Corinthians that he and Apollos are really just servants in God's field. And it's ultimately God who provides the growth in all of our relationships. Another horticultural word to help us understand the beauty and vitality in building diverse, beloved community is ecotone. An ecotone is where two ecological communities come together. The transition from a forest to a meadow, for example, or from a body of water to land, like where you see reeds growing in a pond or river as they transition to the land. Ecologists tell us that there's something called an edge effect where two ecological communities come together 
that makes these ecotones particularly fertile and life-giving. They are literally spaces pregnant with possibility. What possibilities exist in the ecotones of your life where you intersect with others? What edge effect, what opportunity for growth and life is to be found in that space? What beauty and vitality exists in the ecotones of our church community where we intersect with one another? How can we allow there to be an edge effect in each relationship at First Baptist that enlivens us and matures us in Christ? And how can this spill over into our community? How can we be advocates for these places of difference and transition to be fertile ground in which new life can grow? Unity and unanimity are two different things. We don't have to think, believe, or even behave in the same way to be unified in Christ. Paul tells us that the opposite is actually true. Christ is not to be found by ignoring places of tension or difference or conflict. Christ is found when we humble ourselves, reach out and speak honestly with the intention of connecting. To experience the beauty and possibility in our relationships, the mystery of unity in Christ, we must rely on God. We must look to God as our source of wisdom, direction, and guidance. We must be sensitive to God's timing, be honest with God about our struggles, and wait on the Lord to guide us in our relationships. We can trust that God is weaving all of us together and providing what we need to live in beloved community to help us grow up in Christ. Beloved, we are God's servants working together in Christ. We are God's field. What might God bloom in our midst as we build life-giving relationships with Christ and each other? Please pray with me. Loving and gracious God, we confess that we sometimes put up barriers and dividing walls between ourselves and other people. We sometimes focus on difference, conflict, tension in a way that carries us away from you. God, today we ask that in your power you would pull us together in relationship, that you would grow us in your spirit, that you would tend our minds and bodies and souls in ways that make our relationships 
fertile ground for new things to bloom and grow. God, we ask that you would root us and ground us in your love. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen.